Since she got her free hearing aids with her PRSI at Specsavers, Roisin is a changed woman. Music has never sounded better, and that makes her dance. And dance, and dance. Her singing, though, yeah, well. Free hearing aids with PRSI at Specsavers. Music to your ears. Find out more online. Terms and conditions apply. Hello there, it's Michael Lester here. Now, back in the heady days of the show band scene in Ireland, one of the biggest names in the country was the Swarbrigs from Mullingar. That was Tommy and Jimmy and their band. They were different to many other acts in that they wrote their own songs and, of course, had some several big hits with those. Indeed, they twice represented Ireland in the Eurovision with their own compositions. That's what friends are for, and it's nice to be in love again. And today, I am here in Mullingar with the two lads. But in actual fact, Jimmy, your background isn't, in fact, Westmeath or Mullingar. It's the West. <laughs> <laughs> I, we were actually born in Castlery. Yeah. Our mother is from Castlery. Now, we didn't spend too long there, because uh, my father was from, from Cavan, and the... He moved her back uh, to Cavan, yeah. to Coot Hill. But we spent a few years in Castlery. Well, a few is a bit <laughs> of an exaggeration, Jim. A I few. Think I might have been 12 months old, so I have no memory whatsoever of it. You were probably two. Well, I was much older than you. Yeah, when we left Castlery and uh, went to Coot Hill, yeah. back home, where actually we were reared, you know. So that was your, your beginning, but then it developed into music. And Tom, I suppose, with you first, uh, with, of course, Joe Dolan's band. I think you were still a teenager at the time. Oh, very much so. Jimmy, you see, left very early for, uh, and went to Britain. Yeah. Because like, there were 11 in our family. Uh, money was tight. So, you know, as soon as you could work <laughs> or whatever the hell... You got down to it and you got doing it. So, uh, you know, college was out of the question uh, when you got 11 kids in those days. Yeah. And uh, wh when did you go to it? I was 15 and a half yeah. when yeah. I went to, to London. And I was to, to an uncle of mine who was even stricter than my father. <laughs> and consequently, I moved out. <laughs> I got a bed sit. But I was living on my own in London when I was 16 and a half. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were doing better, Tom, because at least you were on the road with the show band and getting a few bob out of that. Exactly. We, uh, there was a skiffle group in Coot Hill at the time. Of course, Dad <coughs> started teaching me music when I was about 12. <coughs> and he was a master musician. He was the fastest reader or writer of music I ever saw in my yeah. life. He could actually, he used to come home from work at six o'clock. He, he worked in the cooperative in Kutil and he would be sitting having his tea and he would be writing out the parts from the sheet music, yeah. which came from Walton's. And I was always looking 
at the ones with the women on the front of it, like Alma Cogan and all these oldies, you know, and look, oh my God, they're beautiful, you know. But he was writing out the parts for all the members of the band because they were a sit-down orchestra yeah. and they were going to be playing them that night. And once he had finished his tea, they headed off. So he taught me immediately to start uh, at the trumpet and uh, he was the leader of the brass band and um, I, of course, was joined the brass band uh, my abiding memory of that is, uh, and the one thing that sticks in my brain the most, is that we used to get up at six o'clock on Christmas morning, about seven or eight of us from the brass band, to play carols to the people going to the first mass at seven on a freezing Christmas morning of the... the <laughs> The mouthpiece of the trumpet stuck to me lip. <laughs> so that was that's my abiding memory of yeah. that. It must have been great days, I suppose, with Joe Dolan and the band at that stage, because, of course, Joe was, was obviously very popular. Oh, yeah. well, look, it was like a boat from the blue. I was 16. Um, I got a call. The next thing, I got a message from the Garda station, because we had no phone mm. in the house. So I got the money up and went up to the local phone box and it was Seamus Casey, manager of uh, Joe Dorden, whom I knew all about because I used to see where all the big bands were playing in the Herald and the press. And I'd be looking and i say, oh my goodness, Joe Dorden is playing in, in, in Dublin tonight and all that. And um, I was in the Skiffle group, which then turned into a little band because we were called the Merry Five, and I was the sixth. So we had to change the name to the Jordanaire. So that was my first band. All the boys were from Coot Hill. And anyway, I rang and Seamus, uh, uh, would you like to audition to join Joe Dolan and the Drifters? And so I said, I would love to, <laughs> you know. And Joe and Ben and Seamus arrived down to Coot Hill and, um, auditioned me in the sitting room of the house yeah. but the only thing they didn't realise there were about 20 kids outside listening at the window <laughs> giving their own judgement yeah. and I had to play and sing for them yeah. and mum fell in love with them she thought they were the nicest people she ever met and, uh, and dad was a little bit sceptical oh, I was a bit actually, young actually he was said no he, he did, yeah, he says, no, you're too young. Yeah. And because he had been in the band yeah. business all his life. Mm. And, but mum actually got him to change his mind. And, As um, mums do. <laughs> I, and was I lucky because the minute I came to, to Mullingar and joined the Drifters, and there were really good musicians in it, you know, and I started progressing. And it was just absolutely amazing, you know. So what was the prompt then, Tom, to decide that maybe you wanted your own band? Well, that was way down the line, mm, yes. you know, because Jim and I, he was into poetry and I was into music. Yeah. And he used to send me poems of, of, that he had written from England. So I started putting music to them. And so that was the start of it. And uh, then the boys started recording some of the songs and we started getting them recorded by Joe 
and B-sides and album yeah. tracks and uh, EPs. You know, there, there was one EP with four tracks and there were three of them were mine. Right. Yeah. And, uh, well, ours. Minutes to Midnight was, was one. the first one. <laughs> yeah. An angst-ridden teenage... <laughs> uh, it actually turned out to be very popular. Yeah. And I used to sing it on stage. Yeah. So I suppose it was, it was an, probably then a natural progression. Yes. From yeah. that. That's, that's really... And uh, we, we had been... You know, he was, came home and we'd be talking about forming a band and doing nothing but writing our own stuff. Yeah. Now, then there was a bit of a rupture in the band, in the Drifters. Yes. And um, went through fallow times and, and uh, wasn't doing great. And uh, Jimmy and I were planning to move. And in fact, the boys came to me mm. and asked me, could they go with me? Sure. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. Was it a big thing, Jim, for you to make that decision to go into this business? Because, like, in fairness, Tom was in it already, you know, so that was, I suppose, probably straightforward enough. But, but you had a decision to make now in your personal life. Oh, absolutely, because uh, I was living in England yeah. and working in England. I was uh, qualified as an engineer, and, uh, but I was in love with the music. Uh, and I started off with a few English groups. Actually, uh, some of my friends turned out to be the, a band called Mud. Oh, yeah, of course. And uh, I knew them very well. We used to rehearse together. Uh, but I, I wasn't getting far, and then I joined an Irish band called the Saints and Sinners, and uh, I won't tell you which I was, <laughs> uh, but uh, we used to, we even did a tour of Ireland. So I was, you know, uh, while it was a big decision, it, it's what I wanted. Sure. And when I got the call to come, ho uh, come home and do an audition for the, the new band for the Times, well, I jumped at it. Yeah. So... Uh, it wasn't a hard decision. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been that must have been slightly peculiar, Tom. In that, as you said, a lot of the lads in the Drifters decided to come with you guys. Yes. Yeah. But now there was kind of pressure on you to, to I suppose deliver, if you like. Well, it it, it was, and uh, we were a bit cowardly because the first song we recorded wasn't as we were planning yeah. one of our own. But it was a cover of, uh, was it Jerry Lee Lewis' song, uh, What Made Milwaukee Famous? famous. Yeah. Oh, yes, of course, I remember. Yeah. And uh, we actually made the very first show band video ever mm. to that song. Uh, Roy Esmond, a very famous phot uh, photographer yes. from Dublin, shot it. And it was shown on 
RTE. It was shown in the cinemas as well. And it was shown in cinemas all around the country. Yeah. But the next one, we said, no, that's it. Now we're going to do nothing but our own songs after that. And we stuck to it. Yeah. Yeah. What was, Jim, the first one, first record of your own that you released? Uh, I I think it was Looking Through the Eyes, was it? No. No, it wasn't that. No, the first one was... Oh, Called Hitchin to, to Miami. Miami. That's right. All right. Oh, God, yeah. Hitchin to Miami, Miami. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember. <laughs> and it was based on Bob Dylan playing the Isle of Wight. Right, yeah. Yeah. Everybody heading to, to the Isle of Wight. So we took that as the theme. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And it was played for nine months mm. on Radio Luxembourg. Yeah. But just didn't break. Yeah. The first one that I personally remember was, and the first time I saw you guys on, on TV performing it, was Looking Through the Eyes of a Beautiful Girl. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that nearly made the British charts. Just actually. outside the top 50. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, on the, what did they call it, the playlist on Radio Luxembourg. It played on the hour every hour. Sure, yeah. yeah. And power, power play. play. Power play, yeah. Yeah. that was yeah. it. And uh, almost, we, we actually, we were promised Top of the Pops if it had moved... Uh, to number 50. Number 50. And it was just hovering outside, yeah. 62, 58. But yeah. the, the big problem was that we were gigging in Ireland. Of course. And yeah. we, we should have been over in England promoting it. And the lads wouldn't um, cancel the dates. Well... We should have been yeah. in London just doing... To give it the push. Yeah. To give it the push. Yeah. And... The, the chance was missed. Yeah. But I suppose, like, there was... At the same time, there was good money to be made, obviously, through the 60s, and you were now heading to the 70s, obviously. Uh, in the showband scene in Ireland, I mean, it was... Jeez, it was so huge, you know. Never said a truer word. Mm. It was massive. And we were making great money, and the crowds were fantastic. And... It's very difficult to give that up. That's the point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No doubt about it. So the times were very successful, obviously. And, oh, yeah. and you had multiple number ones. Yeah. yeah. That's the point. You, you had established yourselves as songwriters and, and producing the records and all. So then, Jim, you took the next step when you decided to go separate from the times. Yeah. But this was the boys. I, I don't know. We wanted to keep writing and uh, while we, and also we wanted to try and promote things. It was it was a difficult decision at the time, but uh, and and also the show band thing was losing its appeal. Mm. Uh, people were going disco and all that sort of stuff, and but it, I don't know. It wasn't the money in it at the time, and we wanted to. to go with the writing. Actually, at one stage, Peter Robinson and MCA wanted us to move to America. Yeah. To live in America and write there because he said uh, we needed to be influenced by by the American way. You sure, know? yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, we had one, one of our records uh, was hovered outside the American Hot 100 for about 15 weeks. Mm -hmm. And Hollywood were on to us every week saying this is we have five regional breakouts this week yeah yeah you know and it went up to 15 regional breakouts 18 regional breakouts lads make sure you have your cases packed and all that yeah yeah 
uh, the song it was the very first uh, ecology song ever written when I look around me and it peaked and didn't make it just the same as Britain. So the <laughs> we look were the almost there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there was, there was it was fascinating in the days because there was definitely the, the potential to make a career as songwriters. Oh, there, yeah. I remember back in the day, the Monkees, yeah. the TV show and the group and that. If you look at their songwriters who were in the Brill building. That's right. And they were unknown at the time. Neil Diamond, Carol King, yeah, Harry yeah. Nielsen. Etc. Right, yeah. You know, so all the yeah. singer songwriters, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mind you, you did uh, make it on the the bigger stage, if you like. Two appearances, Jim, at Eurovision. Tell me about the first. Well, the first, I'll, I'll never forget. Actually, Tom McGrath coming into the the national ballroom and uh, standing in the standing middle, in of, the the middle of the floor of a packed dance hall. <laughs> you could see his head, yeah. <laughs> the glasses. Yeah. And he invited us down to, I think it was juries after the gig, and uh, asked us, would we like to represent Ireland? Yeah. And we said, yes. And he said, right, he said, you, you can sing all eight songs in the National Song Contest. First time ever. And right. you can have yeah. one of your own in it as well. So we said no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> so that was... the. The start of the Eurovision uh, sort of journey. Yeah. And the first time was uh, ABBA had just won it. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. We had to go to Stockholm, which was fabulous. And uh, we really enjoyed it. It was very good. Even we though we didn't do great with it. I think, what were we, eighth or ninth? Yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. But it was very popular in Ireland. It sure. got to number one and blah, blah, blah. But um, it still has stood the test of time. We get, you know, we asked for it in the show bunch sure. show and things like that. Yeah, but and then we entered it again the following year, and we got through to the final mm -hmm. this time, singing our own song, but we didn't win. Yeah, uh, Red Hurley won with When. I remember that, Jim. And Good song. Uh, we were third. Yeah, that year. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, but then the following year, nineteen seventy-eight, we won it. We got through to the final again. Now, at the, I'm sure you remember Michael. In those days, the Irish National Song Contest was as big as the Eurovision itself. The country came yeah. to a standstill on a Sunday night and the juries all around the country. And it was massive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So to do it three years in a row, mm. like we were really established at this stage. Yeah. And uh, we gave it a good shot that time. Yeah. We were leading with three votes to go or four votes to go. And we dropped back to third. That was with It's Nice to Be in Love Again, isn't that it's right? It's Nice to Be in Love Again yeah. with Alma Carroll. So it was It was actually the Swarbricks plus two, Jim, because yes. you had expanded for that particular project. Well, Tom, uh, Tom McGrath, I remember suggesting, uh, he said, uh, Tommy and I singing It's Nice to Be in Love Again to each other wouldn't, uh, <laughs> Fair wouldn't suit the bill. <laughs> so... <laughs> We brought in Alma Carroll and Nicola Kerr. That's right. They were fantastic. Yeah. They, were yeah, they were terrific, brilliant. actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. that, that was a great combination. And obviously, the song, the way it worked out, was, was fantastic as well. Were you ever tempted to, to go with that project, going forward with them? Well, I wasn't. I don't know whether Tommy was, but no, I was never tempted. Mm -hmm. uh, look, it was... Um, each... The girls were lovely. Yeah. You know... There was a little bit of friction there, uh, but 
um, we did a tour with them, a really good tour. Yeah. Went around the country, did yeah. all the big cabaret places, did a two weeks in, in the place up at, uh, do you remember the big cabaret place? Uh, Barry's near Barry's Hotel, what was it? Um, it was Barry's, I can't remember the name, but we did the Bremer Rooms and we did a few other places. Yeah, yeah, we did like yeah. two uh, no, runs. Jim is right, Barry's was a, a, a big yeah. venue in that, and oh. the Bremer Rooms out. obviously yeah. and so Sold on. Sold yeah. them out, and they were, went a bomb. Yeah. But the girls, didn't appear to be that happy and maybe we weren't that happy either i know so we decided we wouldn't go sure yes just one of those things yeah well look you you were you were doing okay on your own so yeah yeah exactly yeah um when did you guys decide that the thing was grinding to a halt well although the 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 band business was slowing down tommy was also suffering uh, some medical problems uh, particularly we thought with his hearing and mm. uh, so Tommy wasn't keen on continuing the the noise the the, mute, the sound from the band was getting too much sure yeah uh, and it and it was wasn't as sophisticated obviously in those days as it absolutely you d- there was no in-ears you yeah. see, all <laughs> the sound was directly behind you yeah so you had at least four what are known as Marshall stacks. Yeah. They were seven foot tall. They were up at 11. And you couldn't hear yourself. Jimmy, we couldn't hear ourselves singing. I know. We had constant uh, trouble, you know, trying to break through from the band. And, and that's why we really, at the end, broke away from the Times. Because we needed a really first-class monitor systems. Yeah, yeah. And one night in Ennis... In Ennis, yeah. Jimmy... Yeah collapsed on stage we thought he had a heart attack we thought he was going to die had to get an ambulance there was about 1100 people in the place and he was lying on the stage stone cold out yeah brought to hospital his lung had collapsed from forcing his voice to try and sing over the noise Mm. so that's how bad things had become because Whereas amplifiers were coming louder and more sophisticated, uh, the monitor systems we had were useless. Yeah. And that brought about us finally leaving the Times. Yeah. Uh, but um, he had to, he was in hospital for two weeks mm. to try they tried to re-inflate his lung. Yeah. That wouldn't have been uh, all that pleasant, Jim, to say the least. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. But it was. It just went out. Uh, sure. Simple as that. The pain was horrendous. But uh, it, I was. It's fr- just from force, mm. pure yes, force of trying yeah. to yeah. Sing, sing louder and louder noise. and louder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that you could hear yourself. Of course. Yeah. You know. Extraordinary. So yeah. So like, like all good things, I suppose. You know, it was time to call it a day. Yeah, my hearing was, mm. uh, I, I went, to, I, I was waking up uh, with, a, I used to wake up in the mornings as if someone had hit me across the back of the head with a mallet. Yes. And when I went to the specialist, he said, you are suffering from a symptom, uh, a syndrome called noise hangover. Mm. And it was for all the world, like the, 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 the greatest of all hangovers. And um, he said, this was only discovered in the mid-70s. Mm. 
from industrial workers yeah. who were uh, working ten hour, eight and ten hours a day, big machines, no protection. And uh, he says, if you continue, you'll be stone deaf by the time you're 55. Yeah. And I quit two weeks later on the Late Late Show. I remember that. I remember you appearing on it. Yeah. 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 And I said nothing, absolutely nothing, would be worth that. Yeah. And that was the end of it. We decided we'd had enough. And the, the, the show band scene was coming to an end. Sure, yeah. And in its place were discos playing pop music. And then country bands took over for the country aficionados yeah. who liked country music. And the ballrooms continued with just country bands. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The show bands era was over. It was, the, it was 1980. So 80, that, yeah. that was it, yeah. I, I, I kept going for a year after. But you managed it. I managed it. Yes. Yeah. 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 So uh, we quit because of the management. <laughs> <laughs> That's a blatant lie. I was a brilliant manager. <laughs> um, I suppose, though, looking back on it, like you had some great times. OK, it was a tough it was a tough business. You, you know, let's be honest about it. But I'm sure, Jim, you have great memories of it. Oh, look, particularly. <clears throat> When you're in your 20s of and, and you're going all around the country, it is fantastic. It yeah. was fantastic. And we made so many friends and touring uh, abroad as well. Of yeah. course. Yes. You know, I mean, I was 17 when I landed at Idlewild Airport, which is now JFK. JFK. Yeah. In New York. I know. Yeah. My goodness. My eyes popped I know, out of I our know. heads. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. And we were all over America. Yeah. With the yeah. drifters. With the drifters, sure. Yeah. yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It was, it was great to be a part of that scene at that time because it was unique. There, oh. were, there were two decades there, 60s and 70s, that were just kind of unique, I suppose, in Irish music. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is fantastic. And I, I see on Facebook every now and again, uh, our name comes up on these show band things and it's great to think that we were part of it yeah sure yeah you know, it was wonderful absolutely. and and still still uh, a part of it in the sense tom the reading in the show band years uh, tribute show oh look i became then a promoter yeah uh, and um uh jimmy went uh, i can't quite remember what you were doing um but anyway, I joined you for a while as well. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, and um, it, we where was I now? I'm lost. Promoting. Promoting. Oh yeah, we're promoting. <laughs> and I, I started bringing acts like mm -hmm. Mary Black, Christy Moore, Dead uh, Dan, and people like that to Mullingar. Just sure. Yeah. You know, to to use my knowledge. Yeah. Of the, of the game and went on and in 2000 in the year 2000 I said it is surely time for a revival of a show tribute to the show band era and it was an absolute instant success yeah and here we're going on the road for our 13th year in a row yeah uh, with that tribute show sure Ronan yeah. Collins and all the guys all and, the, yeah uh, 
Yeah. Uh, Jimmy and I have actually retired from singing in it because it's clashing yeah. with uh, my Nathan Carter shows and stuff like that. Yes, yeah. It, was, it used to be great in that uh, Nathan was out at a different time. He was in Britain and the Chauvin show was on. We do it in January and February yes. every year. But we're doing it this year again in 2023. Yep. And you'll have Ronan Collins, Red Hurley, Linda Martin... Sean O'Dowd, right. The Conquerors, uh, the Conquerors yeah. Dave Lawler, uh, Keith and Lorraine McDonald. Yeah, who yeah. Was a big hit with their TV show on Spotlight. Mm. And um, it's still going great. That's absolutely fantastic. And we're actually in uh, Tommy's uh, living room or front room here in his house. And in front of me, there's a guitar, Tommy, and behind me, there's the piano. So <laughs> you're still dabbling, I presume. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we still write a bit and we yeah. still sing a bit. And that's it. We love it still. Well, we've loved the years listening to you play. And I was at an awful lot of them, as you guys know very well. Uh, it's great to see you. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Well, Thank you know, you. Michael, I very well remember your enthusiasm every time we used to meet down in the ranch house in Cumberland, Cumber. places like that, when you were a cub promoter, a uh, journalist. Journalist, that's right, yeah. And wow, did you have some success. So there you are. <laughs> did all right. <laughs> Thanks, lads. Appreciate Thank it. you very Not much. Not at all. Thank you. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations.